baby. Is this thing on? Indeedy do. It's on, I'm on, you're on. Sweet. And all of you out there listening, you are on with us. You're Counting really on. The Counting Worms podcast. And I think our listenership is it's quickly approaching the four million mark. I'm thinking we're in the billions by now. I we mean. could be. I'd have to check the numbers. But do want to welcome the servicemen and service women around the world yeah. on the Armed Force Network. We appreciate you tuning <laughs> in. And we are very excited today that our this particular episode is being broadcast live. To the good folks at the Trondelag Food and Brewery Festival in Trondheim, Norway. So we're very excited about that. That's, that is very exciting. So to all of our Norwegian fans out there, we say, Ormene Venter. Ormene Venter. Ormene Venter. You know what that means, honey? Uh, may you not count worms today. That's close. It's the worms are waiting. <laughs> that's right so thank you guys have have a cold one for us and we hope you enjoy the show several cold ones um so today is episode number this is the dirty dozen dirty dozen dirty dozen sweet yeah number 12 12 man we are just a content creating <sighs> machine over here well they're Mankind has provided us the content, <laughs> and we're the ones to exploit it. That's right. We're, we're grateful. just the ones to exploit it. We're very, it. very grateful to those who have who have begun their journey into the uh, into their dirt nap and begun counting the uh, the worms, the inevitable worms, the the lovely the lovely recyclers of our planet, That's so right. that we can now talk about them. If you gotta die, make it interesting. That's, that's what we say around here. We appreciate it, and so very grateful. Thank you very much for these interesting uh, stories that we're yeah. about to tell you. What is the uh, episode about today? Today we're going to talk about death by fashion. Death by fashion. Yeah, which wow. I, which you know, according to according to those that love us, we pretty much die by fashion every time we leave the house <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are a true fashion yeah. plate there's no doubt about there's, that there's there's no question that every time we leave someone who is with us feels like they're dying a little bit every time have you ever seen those stories on the internet of uh, photo spreads about people at walmart oh, you know, those they take are the this. best yeah that's us but somehow they they neither die of shame nor fashion that's true yeah yeah and sadly, there's probably listeners that do not have Walmart, and so they have no idea what we're talking about. And they're so fabulous. I mean, we're talking about people with fluffy rabbit slippers <laughs> and spandex, and oh, it's so fantastic. It is. Fantastic. We should have pulled some of those up so that we could. We should have pulled some of those up so that we could describe them. And people could shut their eyes and be there with us while we talked about Just them. Just look up in Google uh, fashion at Walmart. Yeah, and, yeah that Walmart, should pull it up. Yeah, yeah. That should yeah, that pull would it up. Do, that should do it. So I was thinking, 
you know, in earlier episodes, I had spoken about how I am the anti uh, foreteller of technological advances. <laughs> and I thought of two more that I think are particularly <laughs> apropos now that we're doing a podcast and we're uploading them to YouTube and we're doing all of this and we're using YouTube quite a right. bit. Okay, so let's talk about YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When YouTube first came out, I said, what? <laughs> Are people just going to sit around and watch some kid's skateboarding video? <laughs> or how to apply makeup? Well, that wasn't even there yet. That was, wow. that was what I thought it was, just kids on skateboards. And then I remember the first time I heard that somebody was doing a podcast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually can't remember a, a specific quote, but I do remember thinking, what? <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> what? I don't know. This, will, ne this welcome, will never go anywhere. Welcome to the stupidity. Yeah. Uh, we're podcast number 594,846 now. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I was wrong about that too. Yeah. So YouTube. Oh, well, we'll find out. YouTube apparently has taken off a little bit. Has it? Yeah. Has it? People do that thing? Well, at least if they're doing surgeries on themselves. You, you, that's right. YouTube is now one of those things that you like, how did we ever get along without this? Well, they certainly weren't doing surgery before YouTube. No, they were, yeah. I mean, there were no surgeries. Yeah, well, it's just one factor leading to the decline of Western civilization. <laughs> All right, Sarah. <laughs> um, so, there you go, Jess. That was for you. Um, you're going to start off today, are you not? Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to go first. Okay, cool. Um, I do have a great one that um, most people would have sworn up and down, this has got to be an urban legend. And so that's what makes it amazing. Cool. Because not only is it not an urban legend, I mean, I've got names, dates, times, location, this shit's real, mm -hmm. and and, uh, and and it gets better because I, let me. I'm just going to do it. All right. September 1999. Two friends, Sonny Whitworth, 39, and her friend Unaban Bell, 24, had gone to London on a shopping trip from their native Thailand. Oh. Uh, they had gone to London's Chinatown. And then they decided to walk through Hyde Park around 5 p.m. Beautiful. Beautiful place. Um, and apparently that was the last time their loved ones had heard from them. Just going to take a stroll through Hyde Park, which is, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. and, love London. Uh, love London. Um, love the people. The two women had, been, had then been found dead in Hyde Park, oh, no. having laid under... A tree deceased for more than 15 hours while people walked right by them, assuming they were homeless people that were either drunk and passed out or high on drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'll tell you, uh, a strange thing is, is that the Brits that were inter interviewed were all like, well, we were kind of afraid to approach him because we figured they were on drugs or they were drunk. And I'm like, hmm, I guess I, it just would have been impolite. You know, they're very, they're very proper. They they're very proper. Because uh, everyone, that was all of the quotes said, I was, we were just afraid to approach them. We didn't uh, want to approach them. Oh, 
God. Where, that was a what tape. Was the Austra- that was a taped what interview. Was, that was, where, why was there an Aussie? I, why would the Australians be afraid to approach him? Okay, press on. I, usually Aussies are pretty straightforward. Anyway, the next day, a witness that lived nearby, seeing them in the exact same spot, decided uh, she's going to go ahead and call police. She told police that she never approached them out of fear. I don't know if she thought they would bite or what. So autopsy revealed that the cause of death was really quite amazing. Mm, Pray tell. The ladies, having been caught in the rain, had gone under a very large tree for shelter. Makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. And the two women were then killed by a bolt of lightning... After the metal in one of their underwire bras acted as a conductor of electricity. Wow. Electrocuting them both. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. So, so. I didn't know there was enough metal in there to do that. Well, I didn't look up how, what their cup size was, but perhaps they were he- like Lola, Lola Ferrari, maybe. <laughs> maybe they were like sweet Lola. <laughs> Maybe they were built like Lolo. Oh, my Lord. In what was described as an act of God. Really, God? Really? Yeah, yeah thanks a Why lot. Why are they pulling you into this? I don't know. Does God make underwire bras? And in what was described as an act of God, the inquest heard how the wire in Miss Whitworth's bra acted as a conductor for the electrical charge. And Dr. Paul Knappman... The Westminster coroner who did the autopsy said that this is the second time in my experience of 50,000 deaths where lightning has struck the metal of a bra. Seriously? This has happened before in this coroner's career. Yep, it has happened before within his career. Let that be a lesson to you, ladies. <laughs> No more bras. Um, So Dr. Ian West, a pathologist, told the inquest that the metal had melted. Mm. He said they were enveloped in a massive amount of energy. Both had burn marks on their bodies, which were typical of electrical storm damage. And a brick on the ground between the two bodies had been fragmented to dust by the force of the lightning. Jeez. Whoa, that's pretty damn intense. So no word on how bad it would have been had they been letting the girls fly free. But clearly the language does indicate that the bras did them in. And like I said, it just to me, this sounds like it would have been an urban legend. I mean, just... I'm having trouble believing it. <laughs> I am. But it's it's true. It's a true story, and it's not even the first time. And then when you start looking into it, you're like, this has happened before. This, this has happened before. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, man. Um, and uh, and that's, that's part of the reason why they did a formal inquest is because they were like, are you telling us no, seriously. This is another seriously. This is another <laughs> death by boobies, and I'm like, I have once again brought to you our listening audience 
death by boobs. This is right. This is the second this time on this show. This is my second time on this show. <laughs> We've done 12 episodes, and I have twice killed people off because of their boobs. And I'm not opposed to tatas. I just have to say, I'm really not. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm really not opposed. I have, I have two myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm in favor of them as yeah, well. Yeah, we are not opposed to tatas. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, I just could not believe. I, I, I just think maybe the problem is tying them up, or at least encasing them in metal. That's maybe, what I say. Maybe don't encase them in metal. Yeah, that's so, the lesson to be learned here. Yeah. So well, poor. Poor, poor girls. Yeah. Mrs. Whitworth. And That's crazy. Mrs. Bell. That's a crazy story. That well, crazy? thank you for that, yeah. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I will move on with my story. And I'm going to start off by saying kids today. Yeah. Oh, it says it all. Boy. You're not kids kidding. Kids today. Well, they do a lot of crazy stuff. But one fashion trend that I never quite wrap my head around was the baggy pants with the belt around the middle of your ass. <laughs> I believe they call it sagging, right? Did you know that? Yep, You've I'm heard that term before, right? I'm aware of it. I always thought that that term came from prison because mm-hmm. you're, cause the clothes didn't fit or something. And yeah. so the pants well, kind of fell down. Prison, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. So I went to uh, urbandictionary.com just oh, to get... Yeah get their take on it and find out what the origin of sagging was. And this will all come around full circle in just a minute. So sagging, wearing one's pants around the hips so that they sag down and bunch up around the ankles. Hmm. Originally, this was a prison thing that signified that you were another prisoner's property, i.e. bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Punks were forced to wear their pants this way so it would be easier for their masters to pull their pants down and have relations with their bottoms. Well, I'm cleaning up the clean, language. I appreciate you cleaning that up. Uh, somehow this became a 1990s fashion trend. I learned this from watching a TV special on prison life. The inmate who related the story was an elderly black gentleman who had been sentenced to life in prison and had been there for over 50 years. He marveled how such a mark of shame became a fashion statement. And the author goes on to say, look at any, and I learned a new word here, look at any wannabe gangster. And mm-hmm. guess what that word is? What? Wankster. <laughs> Wankster. How the hell are you supposed to run from cops with your pants around your hips and your shoes unlaced anyway? If any of these little punk asses actually did anything bad enough to get them thrown in the slammer, they would no doubt shortly find out exactly what saggy pants are good for. Ouch. Yeah. So like Wikipedia, UrbanDictionary.com consists of user-submitted definitions. And this one was submitted by, it could be a gentleman, it could be a lady, I think it's a gentleman, uh, goes by the name of Spanky McSpunk. (laughs) that's a great name it is a great name so so you know it's legit yeah so you you know know it's it's legit legit. you know it's legit i mean spanky mcspunk would never ever lie to us that's right that's what i'm going with yeah okay so i don't know if you knew this but there are a lot of jurisdictions around the country that are actually moving to outlaw sagging and Hmm. i think the main objection is that uh, you can see their underwear. I mean, their yeah, underwear is hiked yeah. up and the pants are low and it's kind of 
uh, you know, not well, not an attractive look. Well, I know they think it is, but well, if it was if it was ladies' undergarments, it would be considered inappropriate. Well, I I wouldn't go there. <laughs> All right. So uh, a recent story out of New York City might have the authorities rethinking their position on this whole sagging. Oh, so maybe that maybe authorities would allow it. Well, maybe so. Let's see how the story goes. So there's a gentleman by the name of Hector Quinones. I like the name. Just like John Quinones. I like it. Yes, we like John Quinones. Uh, 44-year-old guy, uh, career criminal, 14 prior arrests, including manslaughter, assault, Eesh. drugs, and robbery. Yikes. Not a great guy. Not a nice guy. So while he's... Great name. Not, great. A, right. name. Not a nice <laughs> Not guy. Not a nice guy. While in state prison... Between 1996 and 97, he met a guy named Carlos Rodriguez Sr. Another great name. Yeah. Uh, both men had lengthy rap sheets. They were both involved in drugs, the drug trade. And after Quinones was released from prison, he must have thought back and reminisced about Carlos's bragging about all the amount of cash and drugs that he usually kept in his apartment. And everybody in prison tells the truth. Right. It's typical prisoner to prisoner boasting. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably also said he killed 15 people. and That's yeah. true. So being the dirtbag ex-con uh, looking for a score that he was, he traveled to the Upper West Side to look up his old pal, <laughs> Carlos. And hey, he, I, thought, I thought ex-cons weren't allowed to associate with each other. Yeah, well, <laughs> he came prepared for the reunion, bringing his 380 cal. Oh, handgun, not, semi-automatic. Not a not a basket of fruit. Nope, and he was wearing two pairs of gloves, one <laughs> rubber and one leather. So the police later surmised that he was trying to make sure he didn't leave fingerprints, that which I think sense. is pretty safe. That's probably a safe assumption. So here's they where they couldn't he, just ask him, I take it. Yeah, <laughs> no. That's called foreshadowing. That's right. So he bursts into Carlos's apartment, where he shoots and, and now this is sad. I mean, they, there's gonna uh oh. Yeah, this is where it gets a little sad. The funny part comes later. Oh, okay. So he bursts into the apartment and he shoots and kills Carlos Rodriguez Jr., mm. who is 24, mm. no, turns actually. and shoots the father, Carlos Rodriguez Sr., who is uh, 52, kills him, then grabs a nearby knife mm. and repeatedly stabs to death grandfather, Fernando <sighs> Gonzalez, 87. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not what good. a dick. That's, a, that's some douchebaggery. Around this time, Rodriguez Sr.'s wife, Gisela, 49, and his adult daughter, Lianis, 28, they returned from a shopping trip. Oh, girls, why didn't you stay out? And they walked into this scene of unimaginable horror. Quinones got into a little struggle with the wife, and the daughter ran into the back bedroom um, where the bodies of... Carlos Jr. and Sr. were. She locked the door, and she heard a gunshot. And in that scuffle with uh, the elder, Gisela, uh, she got shot, fell down, and then he went back to the back room to get um, Leonis. Leonis, sorry. Leonis. Uh, he broke down the door and fought with her, 
But during his during that struggle, his pants fell down, <laughs> and he tripped, and this allowed Leannis to run away. Oh, good for her. Yeah, so she made it to the rooftop of the building, and there was she was screaming for help and saw some construction workers working up there on the roof, and one of them called 911. Quinones panicked and fled. He dumped his 380, uh, ran to a nearby fire escape, where once again he tripped on his own pants <laughs> and fell three stories to a concrete driveway below. Oh, oh sh- <laughs> So baggy pants one, crime zero. Nice. So Quinones is no more. And that is how fashion and death collided. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And that's supposed to be a a prison thing. You'd think they'd know. I mean, that is going to slow down your movement. Yeah. It's like uh, we saw one of those you can't believe this. And they were trying to steal the beer out of this, like the Seven Eleven. the kids were remember and they were running to the waiting car. Oh yeah. And the guy trips Tri- over his baggy <laughs> pants and falls face first and all the beers go everywhere. <laughs> and the guy for, from the, you know, Seven Eleven runs out and he just stops chasing him and just looks at him. Yeah. And they, then the getaway guard drives off without him <laughs> and he's, he's running after him. No beer. <laughs> pants around his, his ankle. Pants are, yeah. He's yeah. hopping along behind him and it's like, oh, it's classic. Oh, your friends are leaving you. I guess without the beer, they don't want you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you can stay and be caught. That's another <laughs> baggy pant related incident. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. so the moral of that story, pull your pants up. Or just don't, don't. Just, just don't. Just don't. Okay. The whole story. Just don't. I'll go with that. But uh, I like, I like that the that the daughter got away. I do too. Okay, so of course she came. You know, she had a horrible day, but she did survive. Oh, she had a horror- and the mom survived. And the mom, too. yeah, the mom the, just had a grazing. The two, uh, yeah, wound. the the two innocent girls got away. Yeah. So we're happy about that. You know, they got involved with bad men, but yeah, they sur- they lived a you know men. Mm. Oh gosh. Go figure. I know. The number one cause of death of women, men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Testify. Uh, All right. So what's your next story, yeah. so, Sarah? Yeah, right. So <laughs> um, so my next story is, uh, is a cool one. So it's just after 10.30 a.m. in August 2012 okay. when a neighbor finds this beautiful young woman Appearing well-dressed, like she's ready to just stand up and walk out and go out on the town. Okay. Except that she's laying down, face down, and completely unresponsive in the stairway of his Lower East Side Manhattan walk-up apartment. Okay. And so the man's like, huh, hmm, poor girl, maybe she just passed out. It looks like she's maybe had too much to drink. Sure. So he kind of walks over to investigate, wants to help her out, you know. Kind of calls out to her a couple times. Hey, girl. Lady. Hello. 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 Um, And when she did not reply, he decided, "Uh, I I better go over there and check on her. So he walks over to her and kind of taps on her shoulder. She still doesn't reply. 
then and so he rolls her over and that's when he's quite shocked and he sees that her face is covered in blood and she has a huge open gash in her neck Mm, and he's uh, yeah he's like oh oh crap and fearing that she'd been the victim of a crime of an attack he 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 yanks out his cell phone and calls 911 First responders arrive, and they're able to identify the woman as 29-year-old Carly Brigham. And trust me, they are right. She is gorgeous. Uh, Sorry, was was gorgeous. Mm. Um, She'd been staying with a friend who lived in the apartment after having her little heart broken when her uh, year-long marriage dissolved recently. Yeah, so... Uh, and police were also concerned initially that she had been the victim of assault uh, because she had very severe facial injuries and uh, a, a very large wound on her neck. Um, however, her autopsy revealed that her death was not a homicide, but a uh, tragic accident and uh, instigated by her extremely high heels. Really? The combination of her very on-trend but incredibly high heels in combination with the also very on-trend and very high marble staircase Mm. proved to be a fatal one. She apparently tripped somewhere near the top of this cold, slick marble staircase and on the way down, she shattered her chin and opened the wound on her neck. With her chin? Um, like not, her chin bone or something? Yeah, no, no. No, no, no. She just hit a railing or yeah, something or an edge but, of a stair? Well, the stair, the, the, the marble was so slick and, this, and the stairs were very sharp. Nice. And, uh, and causing all of those wounds on her face and her her chin and her jawbone was completely shattered um and the and the face as we all know from watching our beloved crime shows bleeds very heavily it does so the medical examiner ruled her death was consistent with a fall down the stairs and uh sources say that she was in town for the wedding of a of a college girlfriend and that with her still struggling with the recent breakup with her husband that she had been doing some some drinking and while the autopsy did not suggest her alcohol level was to blame it no doubt contributed didn't help didn't help so uh it didn't it did contribute just not nearly as much as the staircase Wow, that's a true the, death uh, by fashion yeah, story. Truly, it was it was very very pointy, very very sharp heels, and the slickness of the marble, the marble staircase was very very slick wow. and very steep. Well, on a related note, I don't know how you women walk in those things. <laughs> I just don't understand right. at all. I mean, I really don't. Uh, or why it would, makes no sense. It really, really doesn't. Yeah. Really doesn't. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Well, thank you for that story. Yeah. All right. So my next story. <clears throat> excuse me. This takes place in India. 
And this is a, a disclaimer, disclosure, whatever you want to call it. There are a lot of words in this story that are going to be very difficult to pronounce. <laughs> Challenging. Challenging. And so if I butcher some of them, I apologize. No disrespect intended. Um, it's just that some of these words are hard. Yeah, they, they have a lot of a lot of letters. Yes. And this one, there may be a little bit of a stretch uh, defining this as a death by fashion story. A little <laughs> okay. bit of a stretch, but I'm going to make it work. Okay? Okay. We ready? Let's do it. All right. So listen up because this, there's a lot of information here. Every year there is a festival or it's called a pushkaram. Pushkaram. Nice. Yeah. Along the banks of one of the 12 sacred rivers in India. Okay. Okay. The term Pushkaram refers to the worship of the river in which the god Pushkar appears once every 12 years. Okay. Okay. We you with me so far? So far. So uh, each of these 12 rivers has a festival once every 12 years. So it kind of rotates oh, around. Makes sense. Right. Um, and each one of the rivers is associated with a particular sign of the zodiac. Oh, okay. And so the way they determine which, I mean, I'm really reaching here, but the way they determine which river has the festival each year, it's based on which sign Jupiter is in at that the time. That makes sense. And they refer to Jupiter as Bruhaspathi. Thank okay. you. Okay. So at this festival, it is essential to take a holy dip in the river to get the supposed benefits of um, better physical and mental abilities. And also it's believed that that holy dip in the river will cleanse the devotees of their sins. Nice. So this is a big deal. So like I said, there's, there's these smaller festivals, one a year, one every year on one of the 12 rivers. But on the 12th recurrence of this 12-year cycle, that's once every 144 years, they have a major blowout festival called the Maha Pushkaram. Maha means great. And Pushkaram refers to the worshiping of the god Pushkar. Because this particular Maha Pushkaram was held on the Godavari River, Mm-hmm. The name of this festival is the Godavari Maha Pushkaram. Okay. You with me so far? So far. Okay. All right. So this particular festival was held in 2015, and it attracted a total... Now, here's where <laughs> you do research and you get some contra- contradictory information. It attracted anywhere from 24 to 105 million people. <laughs> But either way, we're talking either about way, millions, it's a lot of people. We're talking Twenty-four million at the low end. Millions of people on the low end. Wow. So, on the opening day, this is a twelve-day festival. Wow. The number twelve seems to be very important all the way around. But on the opening day of the festival, and it was in the town of Rajamundri mm-hmm. in the Andhra Pradesh state, tens of thousands of these devotees pushed their way toward the river. They wanted to be the first ones in, into the uh, Godavari River. In the chaos of this rush to get in the river, there was a stampede that lasted uh, nearly 20 minutes. At least 27 of the pilgrims who had ventured there, 13 of them were women, died. Oh, my 
and 20 others were injured in the stampede that took place by a major bathing spot on the banks of the river where a huge crowd had gathered on opening day. A gentleman by the name of, well, just first initial V and last name is Satyanarayana. Thank you. All right. He was a pilgrim who attended the festival, said, it was a frightening situation with women and children crying for help. The policemen on duty were helpless, and it took more than an hour to bring the situation under control. Officials just said that the, a small place like Rajamundri was incapable, I'm sorry, unable to cope with the rush of hundreds of thousands of people, and the situation was completely unmanageable. A uh, Hindu holy man, Swami Swarupanand, All right. he brought some wisdom to this conversation, and he said, there is a false belief, I'm not going to do an accent. Okay. I know you looked at me, and like, oh my God, here he goes. Um, there is a false belief that taking a holy dip in the river on the first day of the festival will be more auspicious. It's the same as taking a dip on any other day. Well, that's good. (laughs) Thank you, Swami. So, horrible story. That's my specialty. You might ask, what does this have to do with fashion? Right. Death by fashion is the topic. What's going on here? Well, follow my logic. Okay. Okay. Police said that in the race to be the first to the river, many people lost their shoes. (laughs) Apparently, the stampede occurred when the pilgrims were trying to retrieve their lost shoes. Gotcha. Shoes are a part of fashion. They certainly are. Boom. Slam dunk. Death by fashion. Thank you. You Thank nailed you. it. Thank you. Um, and in a uplifting footnote, deadly stampedes are fairly common in India during religious festivals where large numbers of people gather in small areas with few safety or crowd control measures. In mm. fact, in October of 2013, a stampede in Madhya Pradesh state, that's that's one of your favorite so places. That's, that it certainly is. It's a beautiful place. Uh-huh. Uh, in central India, killed 115 pilgrims, most who were women and children. Uh-huh. I had to throw in that uplifting tidbit for you. Yes. So. Well, they're slow. Death by fashion. Yes. Yeah. We didn't say it was fun. Well, fashion, it, fashion can be deadly. We're learning that today. Mm-hmm. We're all learning mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Just ask Versace. Oh, boy telling you what else do you have on on tap today all right so here's my next one mm-hmm. so i'm going to tell you about a little city called radon of course yeah it's 60 kilometers or 37 miles north of montreal in quebec sure okay yeah i knew that um it is a french-speaking tourist town with some english speakers but not many Sure. And it is at the beginning of the Canadian Shield Mountains. And it has gorgeous lakes and mountain views, and it's known for spectacular waterfalls. It's a beautiful place, eh? It really is, eh? Um, all this incredible scenery makes it a great place to visit. Sure. And in the summer, its population will double or triple with everyone coming to enjoy the gorgeous weather and natural views. So, in August of 2012, 
beautiful and quite petite new bride, Maria Pantazabopoulos. Nice. Wanted to get some amazing photos of her in her wedding gown, taking part in the trash the dress fad that is becoming increasingly popular online. Is it sweeping the nation? Um, well, what is it? Trash the dress? Trash the dress. What does that mean? Um, in this trend, brides trash their expensive wedding gowns. Uh-huh. Uh, the hope is to achieve uh, the look of an expensive high fashion like photo shoot. But the idea of the trend is uh, it's like a rite of passage. You know, it's your it's a joyous um, celebration. You have found your life partner. Um, you're you're now married, and so you can now destroy this dress. Mm-hmm. Liberating. Yeah, yeah. You're destroying this dress because you're never going to need it again. Mm-hmm. You'll never be married again. Um, so the bride puts on the dress and does some kind of crazy shenanigans, destroying the dress while wearing it, and while the photographer takes photos. Um, Another and, photographer taking photos story. Oh, right, right, mm-hmm. right. But uh, the idea being, um, you know, you know, the, you know, it, it, it gives that high fashion photography look, you know, right. you know, photo shoot look, and you, and it's, you know, like it's just that rite of passage of, like, well, obviously, I'm never going to need this dress again, right? And 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 it's. You know, anyway, it's it's just some kind of it's a it's just a cool thing hitting hitting the internet. Um, Crazy and kids. and an extremely popular version of trash the dress involves swimming, wading into water, going underwater, because not only is it beautiful, but it's kind of that mixing of metaphors. You know, setting it on fire. <laughs> is that one of them? Not so much. Okay. Yeah, because you're wearing it. Well. Take some good shots, I'll yeah, bet. I bet it would. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, that but it's that mixing of metaphors, you know the, you know, re, you know coming out of the water rebirth, all mm-hmm. of that. So the natural waterfalls and streams of Rawdon seemed perfect. I'd say. So Maria started to wade into a section of water that uh, you know that would that would increase eventually to a depth of twenty six feet. Now, whether she was aware of that, I don't know. But she told her photographer th- that this was the spot she wanted the pictures taken. Mm-hmm. And she was in her full gown. And although she could swim, she herself only weighed around 100 pounds. 100 pounds. I have a feeling I know where this is going. And as her gown took on more and more Uh, water, it began to weigh more and more. So as she got deeper and deeper into the water, and the current became stronger and stronger, and the dress heavier and heavier, little tiny Maria was very quickly overwhelmed. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. You see, the current at Rawdon Farms 
falls, I mean, is deceptively strong. And there have actually been a number of drownings as a result. So our little Maria really didn't stand a chance with her big, bulky, and very heavy, multi-layered, puffy wedding gown, you know, because you know these things have petticoats and layers and layers and layers. And and they all get wet and they become heavy, heavy, They're like concrete. So the current grabbed the small woman and began dragging her downstream. And although this photographer actually jumped in and tried to save her, the, the effort was futile as he himself began to be pulled under by the force of the current. And he had to give up and save himself and call for help. Eventually, Maria just quit fighting altogether, and she was pulled downstream by the current and to the bottom of the 26-foot lake. And it took professional divers hours to recover her remains. And, and she, she was, uh, she drowned. Oh. Yeah. And, and there are actually, you know, in the, the photos of this place, they're beautiful. And, you know, and it's like any, and, you know, you look at it and you see, you know, these, it looks like little creeks and rocks and little, and, you know, and water, you know, flowing mm-hmm. past and uh, and the and the different they had the professional divers that they interviewed and and they said you know the water looks peaceful it looks like a stream but because of the great falls and the mountains and these la- you know and the mountains feeding these falls the undercurrent is deceptively strong and we we have. You know, every few years we have drownings here because people underestimate just how strong this current really, really is. That story wasn't funny at all. Wow. Didn't you say it was funny? No. Oh, okay. No. It's a fashion. Death by fashion. Yeah, death by fashion is not... Always funny. Not always funny. No, it's not. Some of these have been really funny. Yeah. I mean, I I have one other one that's, uh, you know, that's pretty funny. Let's hear it. You want to hear it? Right yeah, now? I just have I just have my one shorty at the end here. All right. Well, want me to do my shorty? Yeah. Why don't you do your shorty? Well, this one is not fashion related at all. This is <laughs> this is a okay. fun fact or a, like a fun death fact. Okay. Um, this was ripped in its entirety from the Darwin Awards, which oh, my last one was too. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and I didn't make up the wording here, so if you hear some wording. Uh, that you find questionable. I didn't do it. The title is Naked Driving Stick Shifting. (laughs) Naked Driving Stick Shifting. So here's how the story goes. It was not traffic he was trying to beat. (laughs) In uh, January 22nd, 2016, a Michigan man referred to as a distracted driver, Clifford Ray Jones, 58, was doing what many, and I'm going to embellish right here, was doing what many of us do, driving without pants. <laughs> right? Uh, it's very freeing. Yes. I happen okay. to enjoy doing All that. Right. Um, drive around without pants? Without pants, yes. And without a seatbelt. But with 
a porno flick screening on his mobile device. Oh, my God. Okay, so no pants, no seatbelt, porn on the phone. Porn on the phone. Add a wide open sunroof to the mix on a cold winter Sunday. This is why I don't give you a convertible. Cold winter Sunday, and you have a recipe for disaster. So, as the story goes, he should have kept his hands on the wheel instead of on his stick. Yeah. In the wee hours, approximately 3.40 a.m., Clifford's Toyota went out of control on the on-ramp to I-75. It rolled and crashed, ejaculating our hero (laughs) through the sunroof in a spectacular climax to his life. See the puns there? There's some good ones there. Come and gone, Clifford and his beloved wanky will be fondly remembered in our archives. Thank you, Darwin Awards. All right. Wanky? I've never heard that one. Wanky. All right. Well, there you go. All right. So here's mine from, you know, ripped straight from the Darwin Awards. Mm -hmm. Giving them 100% credit. 100%. As if I'm just reading to you guys. Mm -hmm. So, December 31st, 1991 in Florida. This account of an aircraft accident is quoted directly from the National Safety Board report. But I am going to add a few comments for clarity. Thank you. Aircraft, Piper PA-34-200T. Registration, N47506. Injuries, two fatal. The private pilot and a pilot-rated passenger, i.e. two pilots. We're going to practice simulated instrument flight. Witnesses observed the airplane's right wing fail in a dive and crash. Examination of the wreckage and bodies revealed that both occupants were partially clothed. And in the front seat was in the full aft reclining position. I.e. the pilots had converted the co-pilot seat to a bed. (laughs) <laughs> Neither body showed evidence of seat belts or shoulder harnesses being worn, i.e. they were lying on said bed. Hmm. Examination of the individual's clothing revealed no evidence of ripping or distress to the zippers and belts, i.e. their lack of clothing seems to be voluntary. <laughs> The National Safety Board determined the probable causes of this accident as follows. The pilot in command's improper in-flight decision to divert her attention to other activities not related to conduct the of the flight. Not, I'm sorry, not related to the conduct of the flight. Mm-hmm. The pilot and co-pilot were having sex and nobody was flying the plane. <laughs> Contributing to the accident was the exceeding of the design limits of the airplane leading to a wing failure, i.e. the lack of pilot caused the plane to fly erratically, overstressing the wing and leading to a crash. If this plane is a rockin'? It's going to be crashing. <laughs> so. so what's the moral of that story, hon? Um probably shouldn't be getting busy when you're supposed to be 
manning the plane. Yeah, flying a plane is serious business. You don't yeah. want to, now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just wait till you land for crying I'm out sure loud. I'm sure it sounded fun. Probably in the 21 to 27-year-old range, I'm guessing. <laughs> All righty. Yeah, so that was a fashion fatality um, based on a lack of fashion. There you go. <laughs> yeah. A lack of clothing. A lack of clothing. Yeah. Well, that was wonderful. And I'm sure they were having a good time when they, when, 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 when they went. Yeah. I don't think they made it to the Mile High Club because I don't think they made it a mile up. I don't think they did either. Well, that so, was fun. That was a fun episode. That was fun. I hope the folks over there in Norway had fun. Oh, I got to do my sources, though. Oh, yeah. Do your sources. I got mine, too. I'll do mine right now. Okay. Uh, JonathanTurley.org was a website that I got some information from. The New York Times story by Al Baker. Wikipedia, of course. The Independent UK version by Alexandra Sims. And the Darwin Awards, as we spoke of. Yes, I did. I definitely, definitely looked at the Darwin Awards. Uh, Montreal News, New York Post, Listverse.com. And an article by Sally Polk at The Independent. So thanks to all of those folks for their fabulous contribution to today. Absolutely. And we want to tell everyone, of course, to rate, review, and subscribe. That, that would mean a lot to us. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And um, You can reach us at CountingWormsPodcast at gmail.com, yes, Facebook, please. Twitter, all that fun stuff. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, live big, rest in peace. The, the worms, worms are, are waiting. waiting.